Sean, in honor of this day, I came up with a little ditty on my way to podcast and martial arts class. Okay. <laughs> Happy birthday to Luke. I'm going to embarrass you. I cannot sing on key. And I thought that you knew. <laughs> It's off topic, but this is your son's birthday, so happy birthday, Luke. You're, you know, you're assuming he listens to us. <laughs> I posted on his Facebook page. I'm going to mention in my podcast, it's kind of like oh, a little teaser, like uh, a little lure on a line to kind of come on, bite this, and listen. Listen, I, I bet he listens occasionally. Oh, well, yeah, you know, he's mm-hmm. a busy 33-year-old man he only with two has little a, girls. He only has two little girls and a wife and a home <laughs> and a probably hectic job and, you know, uh, 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 all kinds of things. But, so why wouldn't he listen to this, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's a great little ditty. Ditty, little ditty. Oh, thank you, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you said it was sort of off topic, but anything poetry, we're, we're good for. We're down for it. We're down it. for it. Yeah, anything, right. anything where we can... Little slip a little poetry into everyday life. Speaking, Do it. Speaking of today's poem was a a uh, how do I say this? It was a request mm-hmm. from a couple of our dear listeners. Our our best. Our best listeners. Yes. yes. Our best fans. Our best gals. Yeah. They're my they're my best gals. They are. And yeah. sisters Verla and Nora. Verla and Nora. Yeah. I love those names. <laughs> you know. I do a. Uh, uh, I'm Sean. I'm Bill. We're coming to you from the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry, and I personally have been doing a email list with uh, poetry. I write a poem every day and say a little something about it and send it out, and Nora and Barla are both on that list. So a recent poem, um, they they knocked their heads together and they said... Knocked them. They did knock them together. So. <laughs> I don't think it hurt. I don't mm. think they hurt themselves. Are you okay? Well, Perla, when, you, when, you put, when you put their two heads together, you get a super brain. That's oh my a super gosh. brain. Oh, they're yeah. such smart and witty yeah. women, both mm-hmm. of them. Um, but they they asked if we would would do this poem on the podcast, and we're, you know we're always mm. open to to whatever. Even though it is my poem, I will <laughs> I will try not to you know let my head explode with uh, with my giant ego or anything like that. Your poems are good, and you do not self promote. Which yeah, I I I often notice how very teal-like they are, and you know you and I know what that means. But uh, I enjoy the, you know. I Who do, else does? Uh, Explain it. Um, Edwin Edwin Teal, my favorite author. He he goes into such detail explain about explain yourself, Bill. Explain explain yourself, Lucy. Explain yourself. He goes into such detail about what he's experiencing and viewing and seeing. He's a he's a noticer. Mm-hmm. I notice these things. Mm-hmm. So and Berlin were are definitely noticers too. We discussed that with their active listeners, their critical listeners. Mm-hmm. They thoroughly digest and appreciate, and you know, give excellent uh, feedback. And, and it's it's a great asset to have for any person to have. That's right. And so they asked us to go down this road, and we're going to La Strada. We're, go- we're going down that road less less uh, requested, but they did request it. <laughs> 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 yep. uh, yeah, I said La Strada because we're having a little Italian wine. La Strada. La Strada. The road. The road. The road. We're going yeah. down the road. Yeah, that's why I said that. But right. Catch yep. up, Bill. I catch up, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. Squeeze it out of the package. Yeah. <laughs> My blonde's kicking in. <laughs> so the uh, the poem um, I wrote for the list is just the little one I made up. I don't even, there wasn't really an occasion for it. It was just one of the poems I wrote. 
Do you, and I've asked you this before I read this, your, your daily poems on your, on your, uh, when you send them out, are they done on the fly that day or do you pull from your archives? That day. That day. See, I like them even more because mm-hmm. they are, they are spontaneous. They're of that moment of that time, what you've experienced. That's, so, that's how it has, um, evolved. Mm-hmm. When I started, a lot of a lot of times I used one I had already written because mm-hmm. people didn't know it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and um, yeah, and I just maybe I thought I was too busy to write a poem a day, but then I discovered that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. How could you ever be so busy that you couldn't write a poem? I'm not saying they're all good poems, but you know, you could I write a poem a day. That is, it's true, even if it's because I'm looking over your shoulder and I see an orange binder, an orange folder. That's worthy of a poem. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like I can write about that. You maybe you could. I know you could, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and if you're interested in being on that email list, just go to poemlife.org, and mm-hmm. that's my website, personal website. Where and so, you can, and you can sign that. up for that yeah. and become yeah. a. It's a great way to sort of have a cup of coffee and read what you've written or what you've thought about. You know. And sometimes if. I'm able to do it in the morning. I do it in the morning, but a lot of times I, I don't get to it till the evening, and I'm sitting there. I've noticed that. And I type and it I on my like phone or to, something. I need to text you and say, hey, hey, what's the deal here? <laughs> too much pool time, too much floating in the pool here, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we that, that I think they're wonderful, yes. Yeah. Shall I read your, your poem? Yes, please. Okay. Revision. Look upon the things as gifts, the broken phone, the empty carton of milk, the empty house, and the lost teapot. Wear mismatched earrings and take the shunned route, acorns underfoot and all. A hose mistaken for a, state, for a snake, the moon in a mud puddle, broken things, dangerously real, everywhere you look, everywhere. Well, good job. Thank you. You're welcome. And I was out at Ford this morning letting my dogs out, and I did see... The moon, moon sort of re- re- reflected on the. It wasn't a puddle, but it yeah. was sort of the the side of the barn. Mm-hmm. So, and it was the, the big blue cheese moon. And did you so. consider it a gift? I did. Mm-hmm. I considered it a gift that I happened to wake up and the dogs needed out, and I didn't get a chance to see the moon last night because it was too low. And I thought, dang it, and I'm too tired. I've taken my melatonin. <laughs> so when I let them out, I thought, what a gift to be able to have gotten up in the moon to be up there. And for mm-hmm. me to view it, but that was a gift. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the I super, certainly did. The super blue moon. We're recording this on August thirty first, so mm-hmm. it was the super blue moons up there. We won't have again for ten years, I think. One like that. Twenty thirty seven. Um. So years. yeah, I went out on the porch. You know, I go to bed pretty early sometimes, so I could see it out there, and I did take a picture, but it didn't look too fabulous at seven at night or mm-hmm. eight at night whenever I looked at it, but. Yeah. It is a gift, but the I started out the poem, you know, trying to get you to think about things that are are gifts, not in the moment. You know, they aggravate you in the moment. A broken phone, an empty carton of milk, um, your house that's empty, a lost teapot. You know, these little aggravations that we have every day. Is there some way to uh, get over that aggravation and consider it a gift? Mm-hmm. Well. That was what I, when I told you that there's a line in your poem that is a key phrase, and it's kind of a key to life, if you will, but I found it for me, is per, per my perspective, if I can change my perspective. So the first line, look upon the, look upon the things as gifts, the circumstance that is inconvenient, 
mm-hmm. um, the you know the, uh, the the lost item, the the appointment that you didn't know you had but you need to get to. Um, look upon them as gifts. I mean, it's really it sounds kind of uh, hokey in a way, but it's really key. Mm-hmm. It's really key. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little bit directive, you know, but I'm not pounding you over the head with it. No, but no, it no. is a directive. Well, you, you can. I think this might have worked for you when you when you have you when you have utilized oh, yeah. this um, oh, yeah. advice. And everything advice. You, everything you write in a poem has to be basically from your experience. A poem does not have to be about you personally, but it's from your experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it comes from that. Um, Nora said about the phrase. Uh, well, she said several things. She says, I love words. If left with nothing else, I would read the phone book. <laughs> but even more than words, I love the turn of a phrase. Your poetry causes me often to turn a phrase over in my mind, sometimes even in my heart. And so I yeah. love that. Thank you, Nora. So we are also logophiles. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Logophiles, lovers of words. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. And I've been a lover of words all my life. And uh, I think Nora and Verla have too, as she said. She also said the phrase, take the shunned route, was the impetus for sending, quote, my sister, a wow text, which I often do with your poetry. The fun thing was that it stood out to both of us, but a little different take for each of us. I love that there is no right or wrong. You and Bill prove that with every podcast. Oh, how sweet. Aww. You know, that's just really nice to be, <laughs> what a, you know, and what a gift to us to be heard. Yeah. To be heard is a gift, so thank you for that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned when we first started about active listening when I used to uh, teach speech classes, and I would spend quite a bit of time on that, and that was a little strange, I think, to some students because, you know, this class is about speech. It's about speaking. Mm -hmm. Why are we talking about listening? Well, it's kind of like people who write poetry. You will get better at writing poetry if you will read poetry. Mm -hmm. And that sounds, you know, like what's the word I'm looking for cliche that sounds obvious Mm -hmm. Uh, but so many people who write poetry don't read it and you're not going to get better if you don't read it so you're not going to get to be a better speaker if you don't become a better listener yeah I wonder why that is Um, a lot of poets don't read poetry I did not I was not aware of that you had brought that up Mm -hmm. I found that interesting and a little odd I don't know there's a lot of things to it and I don't read as much of it as I should I mean I feel like I ought to be reading uh, somebody's book of poetry every day and I mean I read poems every day but I don't actually you know take a book of poetry off the shelf every once in a while I do um, but it's you know it, it's a time thing it's also I think there's a there's an envy factor there too you know you don't want to read somebody else's work that's so much better than yours I think you, I, <laughs> you know I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I think that you reading reading a few poems a day or you know coming across a few poems a day if you happen to that is fine but what you do and other poets do you might read a police blotter you might you might read a a, a chapter in a book and you you might highlight or something that you find poetic in verse or worthy of reinvention yeah. Re- revision. See what I did there in in in, in a poem. <laughs> so therefore, you 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 turn it about and make it new for us. Because I I don't know if I would want a poet that reads everyone else's poems or po- books of poetry and <clears throat> feels like I need to put my twist on this or my okay label on that. And you're just coming to something we talked about uh, just a little while ago, Bill. Because you also mentioned we had martial arts class this mm-hmm. morning. Right. And uh, pull up your uh, poem that you read this morning. Because oh. um, we do a, we do a haiku uh, 
for every class. It's based on a word, but we can do whatever we want with it. And uh, Bill's haiku uh, this morning uh, that he shared with us at the end of class. Read it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, I'll I'll preface it. No, don't preface it. Read it. Okay. (laughs) Sand, birth mother of glass, the daughter of King Neptune, lacing land to sea. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful little haiku, and what I said, you know, whenever you read it this morning was, that's what poets do, is they, they take words and they string together images and they make metaphors that most people don't think about. Mm-hmm. You're looking at sand, you're looking at an ocean, you wouldn't think of the the daughter of Neptune, is that how you had it? Mm-hmm. Of, of lacing the mm-hmm. sea to the land. Yeah, and. Yeah. And so it is a way of seeing. It is a way of revisioning, and it. Well, and I also wanted to show sand. Sand has a mother, and sand. So uh, what you wanted to say when I cut you off? No, no, no. I, you, didn't, you didn't cut me <laughs> off. Um, um, sand. Sand is the birth mother of glass. Mm-hmm. But she is the daughter of the sea, so she's right in the middle. But it was, you know, I. I, I do the metaphors. They they're, they're like breathing with me apparently. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. but I thought I wanted to. I want sewing. I had sewing for the longest time. Sewing land. Is, I thought I don't like sewing. Mm-hmm. Lacing is more delicate. The, yeah. The way the the water washes up on this on the on the sand. Well, it's a perfect word for and that. Back. Yeah, it's a perfect so, word for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I'm not. Why did I bring that up? It was something to do with. Um, I think it was revision. We're talking Re- about you revisioning. Know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, Verla said about the poem. Um, let's see. Nora will text, "Wow," and Nora did, <laughs> and I will reply with my favorite thought or line from the poem for that day. It's a little spooky how often we have zeroed in on the same thing. Such was the case with this poem, revision. And then she quotes these lines: "Wear mismatched earrings and take the shunned route." acorns underfoot and all it said maybe i'm not as prepared as some think i should be and my ducks aren't quite in a row but i'm taking that road no one is telling me it's way for me or even that it's passable but i'm taking that road Mm -hmm. i might stumble or bruise a toe because things get rough but i'm taking that road la strada Strada. and we're we're drinking la strada (laughs) she needs to be here to have a little sip of this verla needs to be uh, one of our co-hosts i'm gonna i'm gonna put that out in the universe right now but in in what she wrote i'm hearing many poems a lot of poetry i'm hearing a lot of lyrics i'm hearing a lot of songs actually yeah you know well she goes on to because she says all of those broken things they're real I didn't imagine them. They happened to me. They are here and there and everywhere. Gifts to me. And they caused me to have an experience and a reaction. Mm-hmm. If per, a perfect, how boring is a perfectly matched pair of earrings? They're, they may be beautiful. I've got a perfectly pair. You know, <laughs> perfectly. And you know, I I wore a perfectly wearing today. I wore a perfectly mi- mismatched two different socks Monday to martial arts class. Nobody noticed. But when I was bending down, I was looking at them, thinking, "Oh my gosh, oh. one is blue and one's black." And you know, and I thought, "Oh, Bill, you're you didn't you wanted us to look at your legs and we didn't do it. I'm sorry." <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Yes, look at look at look at my blue leg and my black leg. But but um, I'm taking that road. Does that sound like a number one country hit? I think it does, Verla. You need to write some lyrics to a song. <laughs> I yeah. did write a country song once. It was down down a dusty road, something about going down a dusty road. Oh, nice. I can't remember right now. Yeah. It had a really good chorus to it. 
I tried to get now, somebody to pull that up. We got to pull that up. <laughs> yeah, inquiring minds. So both, uh, both uh, Nora and Berla are talking about the things, the broken things, and uh, all of the, the gifts. Nora said the gifts: empty, lost, mismatched, shunned, mistaken, broken. They brought the two mind experiences that brought me here. So. What this poem is, too, is kind of, we've talked about this before, it is a list poem, sometimes called a catalog poem, because it's listing things that come together and make some kind of uh, a statement. Uh, a list poem, here's the, here's the actual definition for it. It's a deliberately organized poem containing a list of images or adjectives that build up to describe the poem's subject matter through an inventory of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Walt Whitman is the most famous person who, who did this kind of thing. Although, um, I've got some other examples. Uh, Christina Rossetti, I love her poem, Goblin Market. It's long, but I'm only going to read the little first part so you can see what I'm talking about with a list poem. And what's the name of this poem Go- again? Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti. Morning and evening, maids heard the goblins cry. Come buy our orchard fruits. Come buy, come buy. Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges. Plump, unpecked cherries, melons and raspberries. Bloom down cheeked peaches. Swart headed mulberries. Wild, free born cranberries. Crab apples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries. All ripe together in summer weather. Morns that pass by, fair even that fly, come by, come mm. by. What a bowl of delicious textures <laughs> and that? scents Ooh. and aromas and flavors. That sounds so wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful poem, Goblin Market. Go and find it and, read, and read the whole thing sometime. And I have something interesting to add to that. Yes. Speaking of, of lacing together uh-huh. and La Strada, mm-hmm. I chose a pink color for the bathroom that I'm doing for your <laughs> sister and brother-in-law. Guess what the color of that paint might be? Uh, La Strada? <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, goblin. Goblin. It's goblin. Of all the paint colors in the world. Is it a dark green? It's a dark, it, 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 it's, a, it's a misty, mysterious gray-blue. Oh, okay. Gray-blue. A... It's sort of a, 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 a little flycatcher gray-blue. Yeah, yeah. Not not only is is Bill a, a poet and a growing master of metaphor. Oh my gosh! Um, but he he's a really good artist and room decorator, oh, decor you. Thank person. You. I'm, fashion. I, I what do you throw call it them? I I can throw it together. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. You know? He's he's making a jewel box uh, bathroom mm-hmm. out of a, a house. In a house that my sister and her husband are restoring, yes. oh, bringing have, back to life. I've revised that so many times in my mind, I tell you. <laughs> yes. Okay, now I want to okay. share an actual other poem that is a list poem. And it has, um, it has a technique called anaphora, which sounds really funny, uh, or highfalutin, or mm-hmm. like a disease. <laughs> I, <laughs> One of those three. <laughs> I keep sneezing, I got anaphora. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> And really all it means is that you're repeating a phrase okay. or a word. Um, Joy Harjo's beautiful poem that she just made into a picture book repeats the word remember. Okay. Um, and this one was written by a woman named Alice Dewar Miller, and she lived from 1874 to 1942, and she was a suffragist. And uh, she was uh, born and lived in uh, Staten Island, New York. And uh, it's, it's a great little poem, and it's uh, satirical. 
why okay. we oppose pockets for women, and, and it uses an ephra. Why we oppose pockets for women. Number one, because pockets are not a natural right. Number two, because the great majority of women do not want pockets. If they did, they would have them. Number three, because whenever women have had pockets, they have not used them. Number four, because women are required to carry enough things as it is without the additional burden of pockets. Number five, because it would make dissension between husband and wife as to whose pockets were to be filled. Number six, because it would destroy man's chivalry toward women if he did not have to carry all her things in his pockets. Number seven, because men are men and women are women, we must not fly in the face of nature. Number eight, because pockets have been used by men to carry tobacco pipes, whiskey flasks, chewing gum, and compromising letters. We see no reason to suppose that women would use them more wisely. I Brilliant. Do you see what she did there? Every woman that reads that is going to say, I want pockets. I deserve pockets. I deserve the I boat. I deserve, but that's it. Yeah, she that's said, what she's talking about. Exa- it's exactly what she was talking about. Pockets voting. Yeah. You know, they're like, it makes them think. Well, Isn't that wait, a cool wait, point? Oh, it really is. <laughs> yeah. What a great way to present her argument. I love, because whenever women have had pockets, they have not used them. Why? Why would you use pockets? You know? If I had a choice, you know, but I haven't used it. Let yeah. the man carry for me because I'm yeah. a delicate flower. They're, most of them are like, no, 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 uh, uh-uh, no. <laughs> That's Alice Dewar Miller. I'll be darned. Yeah, she was I, cool. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> she had a book called "Women Are People," and another one was called "Come Out of the Kitchen." And that mm-hmm. that's 1916 and 1917 mm-hmm. when yeah. she had those books published. And you know. Uh, the name of this poem is Revision. And how often have we walked away from something thinking it's not quite right, not quite, I, I need to walk away from it. Let me rethink about it. That might be an hour, two hours. It might be a few years later. Oh, yeah. And I'll give you a perfect example. A lot of times it, you need to let something let go it, for years. I My term paper in high school was today's commercial art has psychological appeal. Okay, how boring is that? <laughs> Everyone knows it does. Back then, it was kind of a, a, a new thing. You, you thought you had an idea. I made a B minus on that on my, on my that paper, by the way. B minus. But there was a, a sentence in there, and I, 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 this was my own sentence, and it was Vance Packard. I used his uh, book a lot. But I, 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 ty- I typed in, a man or woman driving up in a... Um, uh, Ford or Chevy is just not going to look as good as a man driving up in a brand new uh, Cadillac or Tesla. Because <laughs> in my mind at that time, I thought, well, that's the case because, you know, if you drove up in that, I'd be real impressed. Now, in my in my somewhat aged mind, I'm looking back and thinking. 60. You're 60 I'm 60. Years I'm 60. Old. I'm 60. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I have 60 years of experience. I look back and I think, how silly. I would not. I don't think I would care. If, as a matter of fact, if you drove up in a more carbon-friendly car, I might be a little more impressed. But I thought, yeah, what a big revision. That's just you know? the age. It was the age, teenager. Plus, it was the beginning of the 80s. My gosh, the, the <laughs> decade of more is more is more. I, I was reading it because I, I kept a lot of the things I wrote when I was a teenager. And I was reading one of them the other day. And so damn embarrassing it really is. But, you know, I, I hope you always keep those because they yeah. were they were a stage and a phase, you uh, know. My son will have to deal with them someday. He can throw them away, I guess, if he wants. You know, I think your granddaughters would love to read them, you know, when, when they're sitting around having wine or coffee, depending on their age or, or 
milk had, and cookies. I had this little thing I typed up. It was like half of a page in 1978, so I was 16 years old. And the title of it was, To My Daughter, Who I Will Know Someday, something like that. And it was to, I was writing, you know, talking about my life and, you know, who to this supposed daughter that I was going to have someday? Mm-hmm. So was it, and was, it was so mundane and and stupid. But that was your <laughs> that was your poetic soul. Yes, re, you know, sort of um, uh, um, re- reaching forward. Yes, and being poetic most, and prophetic. Most of and, us as teenagers are we're pretty mundane, and and I'm, some of us are stupid. You just don't have the experience and the wisdom. And you know, usually. Uh, it's the it's the girls or young women that are the most floral, flowery in their writing and in their prose. It just doesn't come to guys. However, it did come to me. I was one of these. <laughs> you're like, why does that not surprise me? <laughs> I, I was in. I was one lacing. I was lacing the sea to the to the sand at a very a young age. I really was. You know, I thought I was real profound. And I, like, I love you, like, that. I was lacing the sea to the I sand was, at a young age. <laughs> There we go again. You know, there needs to be a T-shirt, right? But Well, because of what I said earlier, you know, that, that I think you were doing that, Bill, because of what we've been talking about with Nora and Verler is because Verler, Verler, sorry, Verler, um, you're a logophile. You'd love words. You'd mm-hmm. love images and, you know, putting your ideas into um, words. Yeah. And for yourself, because all this stuff that I wrote when I was a teenager, oh, man, I did not share that with anything, mm-hmm. anyone good good thing you know it was pretty bad um but i had to express it you know mm-hmm. type it up on my little brother mm-hmm. manual typewriter now yeah. I, yeah. I we've talked about before too because i i wrote down next to logophile here in my notes uh hypergraphia remember when we talked about um it was a long time ago about we're, we're 97 we're on episode 97 90s. oh we're, we're getting close to the triple digit we talked about people who can't stop writing you know Mm -hmm. who it's a compulsion and i don't feel like i have a compulsion i'm and i'm not gonna just write for writing's sake you know i had a little uh poetry exhibit one time of of um there was a a, an older lady that died here in town and and no none of her family member one family members wanted her things and the, the guy that, that bought the house, he said, come and, come and look. And she just had piles and piles of notebooks and papers and things. And most of them were just her copying things from magazines or copying Bible verses. Several, uh, not several, 20 maybe notebooks of just copying Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Copying ads about medications that she would receive in the mail. I mean, just copying things. Because that would calm her mind to continuously write. That would It's almost like self-medicating or... Yeah, I mean, and I think it was just this compulsion or this inability to stop writing. Mm-hmm. Even when you had nothing to say, so then you just copy. My goodness. That yeah. sounds very out of prison-like. To, you have to only find a release when you're writing. It is a... Um, well, it is a disease. Mm-hmm. It's actually often associated with epilepsy. There's something. I love you, darn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't think she was diagnosed with epilepsy. So I think it was more of a, um, a kind of mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. 
went we no, 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 went down no. to the I rem- the dark I, path. I think I remember. <laughs> I think I remember that little uh, uh, episode and, and what she actually wrote about. Wrote on, you know. I re- I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, that she copied uh, the phone numbers, the names, and the phone numbers of everyone in our little town from the phone book. She copied them onto a piece of paper. See, now that would be an exhibit if to, to display that one next to the other. It, not, it not, was. It was a that, part of that little Not that we would I want had. to exploit that. Um, well, uh, I didn't use her name n- or anything. No, but what I mean is if that were ever on display, you'd want to be, take care, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know. Hey, Bill, I did consult my uh, lover, the online etymology dictionary. You know, I've, I've quit being jealous of him a long time ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Since I'm master of metaphor. I wish. Since I'm master of metaphor, what do I have to worry about? I wish Your somebody, lover of etymology. I wish somebody would be jealous of him. Anyway, um, and I uh, shun, because that word shun is just, um, I, it's interesting to me. And it does just mean, you know, keep out of the way of, avoid, refrain from. Or neglect a practice or behavior. It's from the old English schoonian, schoonian, schoonian. to run away from or avoid. And uh, it's from uh, ultimately our old buddy, the Proto Indo European root skew, meaning to cover or hide. And, um, and also in 1805, there was a phrase that came into American English called the shunpike which was a name for a road. Here we go back to the road. Here we in go. New York. So it, and it became a road constructed to avoid tolls, a shunpike. Shunpike. We need some cool? shunpikes in Oklahoma. <laughs> well, yeah. when uh, uh, several years ago, my, my sister Kelly owned a, a coffee shop here in town. It's a beautiful, it's a wonderful little coffee shop, still running, even though uh, she doesn't own any anymore, Wonder City Coffee. And uh, Roxanne, my other sister, and I worked there most of the time. And we came up with a few drinks. And one of them we called the Shunpiker. Shunpiker. Because the Turnpike, Cherokee Turnpike, runs right by Locust Grove. And it's just like, shun the pike mm-hmm. and get over here and have this drink. It was a really cool drink. I, absolutely. It sounds like it needs some alcohol in it. To be well, you know, it would have been nice. <laughs> but uh, what was it? It was like um, pomegranate and, of course, coffee because it was like a, a nice coffee drink. With I think pomegranate, tart and pungent and oh, it, caffeinated. Oh, it was really refreshing yeah. and a little bit of lime. Squeeze a fresh lime. Yeah, yeah. shunpiker. Shunpiker. Shun. So to shun. And another interesting fact about Wonder City when you owned it, which is our listeners might know, might not know, is that's when I first walked in and met the Perkins mm-hmm. sisters. Mm-hmm. And I just I was uh, walked in and said I'm going to make friends of these women, and then, <laughs> you know I'm, we'll see what happens. And this is what happened. I love yeah. the story that you told about whenever Kelly she put up all the white paper in the oh, windows. I would, and I would then try she to got, see through. <laughs> she got to work fixing it all up because she's a she's a marvelous at that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you said that you, you would drive by and think I hope they like me. Right. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to go. You know. I walked in. I walked in with a little bouquet, thinking I'm being all Prince Charming and all that. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's uh, that's you know, or well, that's or the origination of a, of a friendship. That's interesting to oh, to have. So definitely, so great, Bill, because I consider you one of my best friends. Oh my now. goodness, same. Yes. No. Oh, here we are. Here we go. Yeah. We're going down sentimentally. You're right. Sentimental. Relacing, relacing, I can't even say the word. Relacing together our experiences. <laughs> 
I should never have said anything. You're going to be lacing together crap all the time <laughs> <Right>. now. <laughs> lacing it together. But speaking of, we are going to do the uh, the battle of the the metaphor uh, kings. Oh, cool! At our hundredth. Um, episode mm. celebration on September 16th that's going to be broadcast live. Me. I pity the fools. And we're, we're, we're talking Paul, Master Paul, Master Paul, our martial arts leader, into to coming because he's pretty good at that metaphor, too. Oh, yes, And we're going to have a game. I don't know if it's going to mm. be metaphor monopoly or what it's going to be. But, oh, that's a, that's but a cool But Paul, uh, Paul and Bill are going to face off against one as another. As long as it's not doing high kicks because he's, he's, a, he's a rocket in disguise. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> But metaphors, I've said on here many times before, and, and as our Aristotle said way, way back in the day, you know, to be the the master of the language is to be a master of metaphor. And that's, that's so, so true of um, of good poetry. And, and I also think some of the other things that we've talked about in this episode are also true of good poetry, of um, techniques such as um, the list, and uh, anaphora, even though I didn't really use anaphora in this poem. Um, she like, she Assonance. Like, anaphora sounds like a Greek goddess. It might be. We, we need, no, but we need, we need to create her if yeah. she's not created. Um, I didn't, I, I hadn't mentioned assonance, had I? No, you had not. Yeah, because I wanted to say that too, that I think that's one of the things that maybe Verla um, and Nora responded to in this poem because I do think that it has a certain sound to it, and that's what assonance means, is there's a resemblance of sounds between words, and we're not talking about rhyme. So, uh, and assonance usually refers to the vowel sounds in the middle of words, such as um, take the shunned route, acorns underfoot and all, a hose mistaken for a snake, the moon in the mud puddle. The, the repetition of the O and the, and the U vowels in, uh, in all of those lines, creates a sense of, um, I think in this instance, of kind of lulling you into a state of, what, um, assurance? That even though we're talking about broken things. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're also talking about how these they're are- They're real. These are experiences that have happened to everyone at some point. Mm -hmm. um, the similarity, mm -hmm. the commonality mm -hmm. uh, of, of a shared experience. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Yeah. Just the last line. Yeah. I like using that word everywhere, and I like repeating it. Everywhere. Everything <laughs> everywhere. Yes. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a word I, I repeat in, uh, in a poem in our new exhibit book that's coming this fall. I just got the draft yeah. copy of it yesterday for... Our exhibit on the witch, her kind, her witch kind. in history, popular culture, and poetry. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be talking about that soon. We're talking about it, and, and in her kind is uh, under the umbrella of her kind is his kind, because mm -hmm. you know I'll be, you know, witchy myself. You'll be doing something. I will be doing something. I haven't had an idea. <laughs> Even if it's just clacking goat horns together. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Hadn't had that request before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we we've, we've come kind of to the end of this uh, 
topic. We have, but I have a poem that I want to dedicate to to uh, Verlin Nora. Okay, we'll and do it's that. A, it's a very simple little thing, but it it's it's it describes them in a nutshell to me, and I wanted to acknowledge that. So Verlin, speaking of nutshell, I got to get back to that right after this because okay. I, I forgot something. Okay. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, to Verla and and Nora, this is your poem. Different eyes, to see things differently, or the ability to change perspective, is a gift. There's a chameleon inside all of us. We choose the colors we allow ourselves to be because self-limitation is the most unfortunate palette. So I just want to thank Verla and Nora for being choosing to use all of their colors. So we appreciate it. Yes. That's dedicated to them. Yes. And um, seriously. It was a morning coffee poem this morning. We really do. Yeah. appreciate yeah. our our listeners yeah. and especially our our biggest fans Verla and Nora thank you all right we love you mm-hmm. um nuts when nuts. you said nuts because I, we I have remember, a couple of nuts I, I remember the the fact you know I've got acorns in this point well is that why we have, there's a squirrel in the promotion on the <laughs> yes <laughs> because I just kept thinking about acorns because I love this going back to my lover the online etymology dictionary mm-hmm. That the that the acorn the word acorn comes from nut a mast of trees, um, it's related to a French word about fruits and vegetables, perhaps on the notion of fruit of the open or unenclosed land. So it's also a word that's similar to acre, acorn and mm-hmm. acre, fruit of the unenclosed land. Mm-hmm. I love that. And my mind, autom- <laughs> my mind automatically goes to the birth of a tree, isn't that? Yes. It's it's a baby. It's 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 a little zygote tree, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Yeah. And re- remember the the aged oak was once a little nut. A little nut, like all of us, we're all nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for listening. We appreciate you. We sure do. Share the word. Thank you, Nora yeah. and Verla, for the suggestion. Very much. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Don't a doggy. Bye, guys.